Welcome to Airbnb with D. This is your host, Devana, and today's episode is all about oversaturation in a market. We've seen everywhere how to get started with Airbnb. And if you're a listener of the podcast, I'm sure you know many ways that you can get started, right? But that doesn't mean that you should get started just anywhere. The location that you choose has just as much bearing on your profit as the place that you get and the way that you decorate it. So stay tuned as I give specific examples of oversaturation in the market and ways that you can avoid investing in something that just may not be a good fit for your company at the time. Okay, let's break down the problems that arise from oversaturation. When we take a look at an average daily rate of an area that we are currently investing in or considering investing in, we expect that number to be valid, right? Even going on Airbnb.com and taking a look at the listings that are currently there for the area that you're interested in and taking a look at their nightly rate is a good thing to do. It helps us to see um, what we could possibly get. But ultimately, you'd like to use some type of platform that aggregates data from all type of platforms, right? Which is something like AirDNA. So when we go on AirDNA and we look at the average daily rate, the occupancy rate, we're expecting those to be valid when we invest in an area, but we also have to consider its current saturation at the time because that changes everything. For example, in an oversaturated market, hosts can find it challenging to get higher rates just due to the price sensitivity in the area amongst the guests, really. If there are 5,000 rentals within five miles of you, it may be a little harder to get a higher nightly rate without some big special effect or some expensive amenity in your place. With numerous options available, guests will take a look at the Airbnb.com pages. They'll go page one, page two, and they'll find something that sticks but you have to consider how many properties they have to go through before they get to yours. Travelers have the luxury of comparing prices and selecting more affordable accommodations. So I am a bargain shopper and I know our guests are too. So that means that if we're on the app and we're looking at places and your listing is even next to a listing that relatively offers the same thing as you, but they're even $1 lower, then you're right, that family may pick that place. And that's what we don't want. We don't want to compete with the next listing over a dollar, over $5. Maybe competing with the next listing over $200 is more feasible, right? When we look on Expedia and Priceline, we see hotels that are arranged um, from highest to lowest, five star to zero stars. So everyone has, there is a hierarchy everywhere. There is a luxury, there is a non-luxury, there is a way for you to cater to every type of guest. So we do expect there to be some type of competition when it comes to the nightly rate. But not having to adjust our price by $5 and $10 to be more attractive to guests, that's insane, guys. And really, if we're pulling our hair out over $5 and $10 extra or less to compete with other listings, that's not an area you should be in. You didn't start this business to become a slave of this business. You started it, I'm sure, with profitability in mind. You started it with a plan of action to complete it. 
with a plan that it would pay for any of your bills, your family's bills, right? And become a generational wealth opportunity for your company. You didn't start an LLC for a five to $10 change. So when we're talking about oversaturated markets, when you have to pressure yourself to lower your rates, it makes it super hard for you to achieve your revenue goals. When I first started with Airbnb, I started in a one bedroom apartment in Sandy Springs, Georgia, and my rent was about $1,300 a month. The first month that I opened my Airbnb, this was in 2019, right? No, 2000, yeah, 2019. So the thing about it then is while Airbnb was popular and while it wasn't as new as it was maybe in 2010, there still weren't many people doing it. There weren't many people like me. There weren't many people in an apartment at all. Because you remember the wave was that, oh, if you Airbnb in an apartment, you're going to get kicked out. That was just what people operated and thought until we started testing those barriers. So there weren't many options for people to choose from price-wise. They could choose my one-bedroom apartment at $110 a night or they can choose a hotel where they won't have their same flexibility. They won't have um, the washer and dryer inside of the room, right? Or they can go to a single family home and be paying about $350 a night. It's their choice. Naturally, me having that property in Sandy Springs was such a non-saturated market at the time that it was often the first choice for many. So, my profits were high, but here's the problem, guys. My profits were high. I would say maybe the lowest month I had at that place was about $6,000 a month, which I was so grateful for. But the reason why that was so good for me at the time is because I didn't really know how profitable this business venture really could be. I had no clue how much money is in the perfect strategy. So an additional $72,000 a year, if 6,000 every month, and I did have higher months than that. That was awesome. That changed my life. <laughs> that changed my perspective. But as I started to do this more, I realized, hey, the same amount of effort that you put in this one space here, did you know that if you move this over even to California, you could actually triple this number? Same amount of work, more money. That is where the wheel started turning for me. Because again, we're starting this business for a reason. Initially, I needed the money. I needed a change for my family, single mom, newly divorced. And previously, I think the year before I started, I had lost a job that I was with for about five years. And it was so devastating to me because it had become so much a part of my identity that I just thought there's no way that I'm going to make this amount of money somewhere else without basically killing myself for it. And then I found Airbnb. So yes, being able to invest in a place is great, but I gave you information from 2019. I am recording this as of 2023. And the reason why those dates are important is because markets change, prices change, everything changes, but more specifically what our world experienced when COVID hit. 
COVID changed the way that we operate. It changed pricing structures. It changed, um, you know, requirements on even getting in places. It changed a lot, guys, but it also brought in a lot of opportunity. So with COVID, we've seen an increase in virtual positions, more work from home positions. And this is the thing. When you go to an area that is already small, and I'm going to say that for Atlanta, Georgia, because I want to present two cities to you, okay? So let's when we talk about oversaturation and when I talk about a city that's small, while Atlanta is the largest city in Georgia and it's also the state's capital, has a population of about, hold on, wait a minute, I wrote this down, let's see. Okay, Atlanta, Georgia has a population of around 492,000 people, right? And it is the largest city in Atlanta. It's the state's capital. But if you go over to Los Angeles, which is also the largest city in California and one of the largest cities in the world, we have a population of about 4 million. So here's another thing with that. Let's talk about how many active rentals are in each place. And then I'll jump back to what we were talking about. In Atlanta, Georgia currently, there's an estimated 11,000 active rentals. That's 11,137. And you're able to check this information on airdna.com. So this is the reason why I love, or .co, I'm sorry. This is the reason why I love market research because it does change. The information I gave you 2019, it is not as easy to clear that amount of money with a one bedroom apartment without all the bells and finishes now. So I'm not telling you, you can't get it. But those days of furnishing a unit under $3,000, those days are gone. Under $5,000, those days are gone, baby. Because now the guests want all of the amenities that now the hotels are starting to catch up and provide. We had a sweet spot right in between when the world began to resume and businesses began to open. Budgets had to be evaluated with major corporations like hotels. So they still were old, giving us old energy. It gave us pre-COVID energy, if you notice. Now, in 2023, you've seen a lot of hotels undergo renovations, new wallpaper, new color scheme, even new scents, because they now have the budget to do so. So now they're competing back with us and able to offer those pricings again. So being able to clear the 72,000 in 2019 easily from a one bedroom apartment, those were the good old days, guys. Now it just takes a little bit more. So if you take the same effort that you're applying in one place and you put it in a place that needs you more or would love you more, that changes the game. In Los Angeles, there are an estimated 11,532 active rentals. So here's the crazy thing. In Atlanta, a place with an estimated 492,000 people living here. And in Los Angeles, with an estimated 4 million people living here, they still have about 11,000 active rentals for both. Okay, well, that, this makes sense, right? The average daily rate in Los Angeles is typically about $240 a night, and this is true. And the current occupancy rate is about 71%. In Atlanta, the average daily rate is about $176 at this time, with an occupancy rate 
of 53%. Yes, Atlanta is an awesome city and it is the largest city in Georgia. But if you take the same efforts that you are applying in a sat overly saturated market and you take it to a market that is not as saturated, it is more likely that you're able to see the average daily rate of 240. It's more likely that you're able to be booked out longer, more consistently, more often, because you're not trying to plant yourself in a place in a needle in a haystack. You know, you've heard that, right? That's what this industry has become, especially because, and for those of you that haven't started yet, this is really encouragement to you. There are people putting anything on Airbnb, but it's important for them to get started based off whatever goals they have, right? So they got started. So this is my encouragement to you to get started, but make sure you do it in a market that makes sense. When we go to AirDNA and we are typing in the different cities, keep in mind that you do have to have an account to research anything on here, but you do not always have to pay to view certain items. AirDNA is a website where you pay per market so it does help that they're able to give a snapshot of the pertinent things that you need before you purchase that particular market. So even if at this time you go to airdna.co, and that's not com, it's co, and you type in Atlanta, you'll see that 67% of rentals are on Airbnb, 11% are on Verbo, and 22% are on both. And usually when you look at AirDNA, while people know about Verbo, there are not too many people that have to actually result to multiple platforms. Because if you're in an area that's not overly saturated, I'll tell you the difference on that. Hosting in Atlanta for me looks like making sure my that whatever property I'm listing is on every platform imaginable. Peerspace, Airbnb, Verbo, Gigster, making sure that the photographs are top-notch, everything, right? Because the market is so saturated that you have to be on top of your game. You have to make sure that it's on every platform or you could be missing out on money. We still have to pay rent. We still have to pay utilities, bills, insurance. These things still add up. We still have to pay for cleaners and we still have to make enough money for this business to make sense for us. Because being an Airbnb host is not simple. You have guest communications. And I want to remind you guys of something because this is really important that we remember this. You know, when you were like growing up in school, in middle school, well, actually more so elementary school, middle school, and, and there were kids that were separating into different classes. And my, when I was growing up, and I'm actually getting tongue tied now because I'm trying to make sure I say this appropriately. When I, oh my gosh, is, is this the name? Okay, and my, okay, I was about to say it because I was, I just, oh my gosh, listen guys, I'm so tongue-tied. So I wanted to make sure that what I was about to say was not something that we made up as children. So I'm thinking about it. No, when I was in middle school, the children that were testing lower, maybe they didn't um, pass entry tests, they failed a few times, and some even children that were disabled, they would literally have a separate hallway for them 
and it was like the LD classes, which means learning disability. These kids in this hall, these classes, this bus that's shorter, they have some type of disability that prevents them from, um, you know, a lot of things, right? Now, I need you to consider the fact that as adults, we don't have those labels. And the reason why it's important for you to know, if you are someone that is not a people person, then being an Airbnb host is something that will surely frustrate you, but especially in an overly saturated market because there's also no respect or urgency or, you know, it's it's none of that. It's like, hey, it's cutthroat. I see the next person's lower. Can you get lower? Or maybe they just won't book you at all. So I only said that to say everyone does not operate the same. So when you're getting people reaching out to you, some people reach out in the middle of the night. Some people are out of the country. So the time zones are different. Guys, there are so many scenarios you will come across. And even when they're in your home, there will be people that call you and say they don't know how to turn on the TV. They don't know how to lock the door. There's someone outside laughing. They're nervous. They saw a dog run, run and now they feel like they aren't, they aren't safe. Their dog is going to get bit. Guys, you will deal with everything. But especially in a saturated market, it makes it feel like it's not as worth it. And this is where you see some people get burnt out and quit their investment. They don't renew their lease. And they also don't care to restart the business anywhere else because it was just too much on them at that time. So it is extremely important to make sure that you're being kind to your business. You're not stressing yourself out over Airbnb. That's the thing. When you start to stress yourself out over Airbnb, you easily walk away from the money, just like you would walk away from a nine to five that's funding your whole lifestyle, okay? So we went over Atlanta. Now we got 67% on Airbnb, 11% on Verbo because you have to do everything in Atlanta. You can't just have one platform and expect to stay booked forever. But if we go over to Los Angeles, we'll see that 82% is on Airbnb, while only 6% is on Verbo and 12% on both. It's just an ease and a breeze about it. I mean, guys, even if you go to AirDNA and you look at the map, as you search the cities, they provide you a map. Los Angeles is just so much more space in between the listings. And when you look at Atlanta, you'll see the purple and the blue dots. They're just all toppling on top of each other because there's no space for nobody to breathe. And that's what we consider oversaturation. Again, the same tactics and principles that you have at that one Airbnb in another place can actually be applied in another state. You'll still have to get a cleaner. You'll still have to furnish it. There'll be times that you can't be the one going to your own listing if you're starting where you live. And that's the thing where we don't wanna do yourself a disservice. Don't just start a business somewhere because you live there. Because it could be possible that it's time for you to get away from that area too. And you want to be very cognizant of that so that you're not starting a business to go into debt. Next, let's look at the occupancy rate. In an oversaturated market, the demand will definitely not be sufficient enough to support the high supply of available rentals. Guys, trust, trust, trust. And another thing, too, with Airbnb, this is the thing that you have to consider because it's not an office space, because it's not a space where someone just gets their hair done. It's a space that people rent based off if they like your photos. 
If you have a hideous couch, a terrible layout, dim looking photos, a bad review, even those things will stop someone from booking. So it's not just the $5, $10, $1. It's everything has to be on point when you're in an oversaturated market so that you can at least get booked and experience the occupancy rate that's forecasted for that area. So lower occupancy rates mean fewer bookings and potential periods of vacancy, which we hate. Because technically, when we're looking at what we spend monthly on a space, once you divide that by 30 or 31, that's the number that you need to make per day in order to not pay anything out of your own pocket. And if you're not able to make that based off any vacant days, that's where we start to run into a situation where you're paying for the space and you're not making any money with your Airbnb. And what do we do with things? Like, honestly, guys, what do we do with things that we work so hard at and we're so excited for and was such a disappointment in the end? We walk away from it. So this is why it is so important to analyze how saturated your market is prior to investing, not just investing where you live, not just starting where it's easy, but starting where it's profitable. I want to share a few strategic planning points and things to just keep in mind. My favorite thing ever is market research. Thoroughly analyze the short-term rental market in your desired location and understand the number of active rentals, average daily rates and occupancy rates because they matter. Knowing all of this information and being able to use AirDNA is a very easy tool for you guys. You do not have to purchase the market until you're sure about it. But even the free version gives you insights into the level of competition in your area. It even helps you to narrow down exactly where your competition is in Los Angeles or Atlanta or whatever city you take a look at. The next thing you need to do is to create a unique value proposition. Seriously, guys, we work hard for our money. You work hard. We all work hard. And when we are paying for something, we want it to feel good. Differentiate your property by offering something distinctive. Highlight its unique features, amenities, especially the location. And that attracts the guests who are seeking that particular experience. Really sit down and write, how much you'd like to make from this business and then go from there. If your goal is making $100,000 in the Airbnb industry in your first year, then go to a place that will pay you that. Don't go to a smaller place, a place with a lower occupancy rate and a lower average daily rate and expect to hit that number. Pricing strategy. Price your property competitively. Sync your property, link your property to any price tools you have beyond pricing. You have price labs. There are so many options for you to use, but absolutely get a strategy, especially if you find yourself going to a market that you're not familiar with. Consider offering promotional rates, and we know that the discounts on Airbnb are good for you when you are having high times of vacancy. They help get your property in front of people that need to see it. Create an exceptional guest experience. You have to focus on providing an exceptional guest experience to generate positive reviews 
and build a great reputation. Because this is the thing I love about reviews. While reviews are property-based, there are ways that you could still get it to show. Of, I'll record another episode or a podcast episode about that, where even if you've moved on for, from a property, your lease has expired, you've moved, there's a way that you could still get those reviews to show. Keep that listing active, but just make it unbookable by guests so that your track record is still shown. Even things like that, right? The over work that you were doing in a place that was oversaturated, if you are a host that is in some, in a place that you're currently looking for open dates to fill, you're looking for promotions, you're looking for marketing strategies because you can't book your dates, then it could be possible that you're in a space that is just overly saturated. Because if you have enough love and heart for your business to do all of those things, hire those people and play those parts, then I know for a fact you have what it takes to succeed in the industry. It could just be your location. Oversaturation in the short-term rental market can pose challenges for new investors. And that is the thing that is most daunting is because we know when we start a business, we're racing against so many variables to make sure that that business does not fail in the first five years. Factors such as average daily rates and occupancy rates can directly impact revenue and profitability. However, with thorough research, a unique value proposition, and a well-planned pricing strategy, focus on the guest experience and a proper team, you can navigate any market, truly and carve out your own success. Another thing I want to drop for you is if you are someone that cannot start a business in another place right now, because just because a market is saturated and you should go to a different area, it doesn't always mean that you can. So this is where pivoting is key. The short-term rental industry also includes office spaces, creative spaces, co-working spaces, flex spaces, cloud kitchens. Don't just simply think about Airbnb. Even if you went into a four-suite, six-suite office space at $1,300 a month and rented that out to four to six other tenants per month, that's you still getting money per week actually it will be per week because when we get into the office rentals office suites we're collecting weekly payments anything between 250 to 500 dollars per suite not to mention the deposit that's included with each person as well that is refundable upon the unit or the suite i should say being returned to its original condition and if it's not, we'll use it for that, just like an apartment. So you're putting yourself really in the position of a landlord. If it is not feasible, if you've done your market research and you're like, hey, I don't think this is a good time to invest in this area. I know it's an amazing place. But if I had invested in Airbnb, the occupancy rate is low, the average nightly rate is low, then listen to that. Don't go against the grain. Don't be a disruptor when it comes to analytics. Pay attention to that and pivot. You can still become a landlord of an office space and rent it out and get paid per week from multiple people. 
And that's actually cash to you right away. So unlike Airbnb, where we have to provide the service and then wait 24 hours for the guests to check in, all you have to do is provide the location, make sure the utilities are on, there's no bed, there's no couch, there's none of that. Guess why? Because your tenant decorates their own suite with whatever they need. So set it up for yourself in a good way. Pivot where needed. Analyze the data. And do not invest in overly saturated markets. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I know it was a little longer than some others. And I can't wait to talk to you in the next one.